live from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This is J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery, Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. People of the internet. People of the internet. This is your host, Jamie Rodriguez. How is everybody doing? Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast, guys. And we have today the author of one of the contenders, early contenders for album of the year, guys. Talking about British folk singer John Smith, who releases today, March 26th, an album that is all about hope, resilience, and overcoming the fray. A wonderful, wonderful album that critics and audiences have been raving about. I mean, Clash Magazine called it a beautiful Frank experience, gilded songwriting without melodic flair. And I can't disagree. Can't disagree, guys, about this fantastic album from John Smith, who was born in Essex, England, and raised on Devon Seaside. Uh, He's known for his intimate songwriting, that amazing honey gravel voice, and that pioneering playing uh, guitar, guys, that is just absolutely unique and fantastic. Uh, John has spent the last 15 years touring internationally, He's amassed over 40 million streams on Spotify, and he's been a session musician for people like Joan Baez and David Gray and Tom Jones. I mean, the best of the best, guys. And what an album that he's releasing on the world, guys. There's collaborations with people like Sarah J. Rose in I Do I. There's, uh, it was co-produced with uh, Sam Lakeman at Peter Gabriel's Real World Studio. The band that he plays with is an all-star cast, including pianist Jason Ravello, who's done work with Sting and John Mayer, bass player Ben Nichols, drummer Jay Zicora, who's worked with Paolo Nutini, and on and on. It's just an outstanding album, guys. We mentioned Zara DeRose, but also Courtney Hartman is in there, the Milk Carton Kids, Bill Frizzell from the Americas, and, you know, just, it, it's, listen, guys, it's an A-plus album, The Fray, and it's out now, so make sure to check it out, guys, because... Just one of the early contenders for album of the year. There's no other way to say it, guys. If you want to find out more about uh, John Smith, make sure to check out his website, guys. JohnSmith, JohnSmith.com. Without further ado, this is the interview on J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing great. Can you hear me? Can you see me well? I can, yeah. I am... Um... I don't have a proper microphone set up. I hope you can hear me okay. I can hear you and see you perfectly, John. All right, great. It's great. It's great. It's great to connect with you, John. I mean, look at you. Look at that compound. Um, where are you right now? Are you are you in in in, in England? Uh, Wales, actually. Wales. Yeah. Stuck on just stuck onto England on the west. Stuck on um, to England. Yeah, we we just moved up here recently. Uh, we live in the in the hills of North Wales now. Beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful, John. And I mean, look, John, what an album that you're unleashing on the world, March 26th, The Fray. Uh, first of all, I mean, look, we love all your stuff. Hummingbird that came out a couple of years ago, Headlong. Thank you. We've played those to death. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the time has come, Lowlands of Whole Land. Those, those have been on my repeat for a long time. But but this one, John, I, I think it just has a special a special something to it, uh, John. I You know, 
but it, but anyway, I'm, I'm, let, let me digress. Let me quickly introduce you to my audience, John. I mean, you're one of the most respected guitarists and songwriters in the UK, played to audiences all over the world, biggest festivals, sold out concert halls. So pleasure to have you on the show, John. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, John, as, as one is listening to this album that I had to preview, I mean, the musical quality that you always bring is obvious, another level. But one of the biggest takeaways for me, I have to tell you, that comes across is resilience. And I think that makes it unique. There's a lot of like overcoming adversity here. Hmm. Was this album, John, your seventh, if I'm not mistaken, your most gratifying in a way to get across the finish line? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't thought about it, but quite possibly, yeah. I mean, it was a... It came out of a hard time and it was a big logistical exercise getting it made with our collaborators, you know, right. in, in America and Ireland. Um, Sam and myself, Sam Lakeman, who I co-produced the record with, there was a point two days into the session where we were looking at the list of, uh, like we had a to-do list, thinking, are we actually going to pull this off? <laughs> right. But fortunately, you know, everyone involved are such great musicians and such professional people that mm. it all came together really quickly. And yeah, to my Absolutely. ear, sounded sounded good. So we were, we, there was a big sigh of relief at the end of the week when we had a record in our hands, you know? Definitely, definitely, John. And, and you know, to, to, to tell the audience, you know, Jessica Stavley-Taylor of the stage is in there, you know, the milk carton kids bill frizzle like it's it's an all-star cast that helps you out uh, john was it like you mentioned the technological aspect of working cross borders i mean it's easy to send a file like you know you drop box a file no problem but was it how difficult is it for someone that's not in your field to understand like to get your vision across like the feeling across you know because you can't like drop box that you know no of course i think there's there's an understanding you know, between between musicians who are um, of, of a similar mind, you know, that there's a desire to get it right and not play too much and contribute to the song in a supportive and meaningful way. And I think we all know that, you know, that the, a piece of music is, is greater than the sum of its parts. Right. You know, and everyone has to play their part in a, in a sympathetic and considered way. So... I trusted all of my musicians to do that. And uh, I think that's really it. You know, I didn't offer much instruction. I There's a song on there called Deserving. And Beautiful the two song, yeah. backing vocals are the great Sarah Jarose and Courtney Hartman, two of my favorite singers. And I just said to Courtney, maybe you could just sing underneath me. And, and Sarah, maybe you could just sing a little on top of me. And I, I didn't offer anything more than that. I knew exactly what I wanted to hear, of course, because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but I didn't put that on them. I just thought, you know, I'm sure they'll get it right. And what they sent back to me was even better than what I was hearing in my head. And it elevated, it took this song and, and took it to a completely different level. So it's beautiful. there's a lot of, uh, when you're in the studio with musicians that you trust, you have to just hand over control. If they're there, playing your song, you can't try and steer the ship too much because it will crash. You just have to let them do their right. part, right? And it was like that. I yeah. tried to do that over 
email and over FaceTime calls. You know, I was just on a call with Sarah, says just saying, just do what you feel, and if you can sing above me, that'd be great. Someone else is going to sing below me, and of course they nailed it. That the audio they sent back was just amazing, and it and it worked. We folded it in on the third or fourth day of a of a seven day studio session. You know, we we I sent them rough mixes. They recorded their parts. They sent them back, and then I, you know, we put it into the into Pro Tools. You know, we're working on a computer. We put in their vocals, and then I would think, well, I can hear another guitar there to complement what they've done. So I would go and record another guitar, and then we put the bass down. So the songs were built in this organic, beautiful fashion, kind of around the uh, the collaborative. You, you can tell you can tell like something so well made like your album you can't that's just you, you can't like pre-program that you know what i mean sure it, yeah, it's well, just, thank you yeah, yeah absolutely it and, feels kind of it feels organic in that way it does it does john yeah. but, but the but the message you know going back to the message I, I love it because it's not it's not hope you know it's something stronger than that it's it, it feels like as you're listening to it and and, and you're like developing the story of, of of the of the message i feel like the listener takes away that life does not happen to you it happens for you hmm. uh, i feel i feel like that is like the takeaway at what point in the process john of an album do you like figure out that this is like the theme that's coming that's like becoming it i think you get a sense of it early in the writing mm. But in my experience, it's always different by the time you come to the finished batch of songs. Yeah. And in this case, I had started to write the songs. You know, I'd written three or four songs uh, before March of last year. And I just had this idea, kind of felt like I knew what the album was going to be about. And then everything happened. You know, the pandemic yeah. hit. I had to fly home from Australia where I was in the middle of a tour. Um, my mother got really sick. My wife and I lost a pregnancy. Real life just hit, man. It hit us like a bus. And when the dust settled and I started writing songs, suddenly the album was about something completely different. It was, I, there was nothing, um, nothing mythic on the record. I, I, I'm not writing about any characters, which I've always done in the past. Everything on this record is just about my experience, you know, and yeah. some of it's the mundane, you know, progress of relationships and the just that feeling of trying to get through a day without without losing your mind, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and just and just holding on to each other, trying to stay in touch with your friends. It's all just it's all the stuff that, you know, a, a person growing older is concerned with. And I I didn't really expect to make that album, not yet. I I was, uh, I, yeah. I wanted to maybe, I wanted to maybe, tell stories about other people for a while first. But then, yeah, everything happened, and I just found myself writing about me. Absolutely. I mean, one, you know, to, to that point, one day at a time, right? The, I mean, first of all, the piano and the guitar, by the way, uh, you know, it's just uh, unbelievable. But what's a song oh, like thanks. this, John? Um, those simple things like gratitude and mindfulness like would you say that they just kind of like grew in hyperdrive like making a song making an album like this <laughs> yeah. you know i know it's it, 
it, it sounds simple, but this simple concept just shine in this record. Yeah, man. I, I, I guess that's, I guess that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if anything, the last year has, has taught me there's a lot to be grateful for. Yeah. You know, having spent so much of my adult life on the road and then having that taken away, you just can't help but feel incredibly grateful for that time you've had out there. And, uh, the, you know, the, the lucky thing was that when I, when all my dates were cancelled and I was looking at a year in my house, it turned out that I, I really liked my family, you know, I, <laughs> having been away yeah. for, so much, for so much of it, it turns out, you know, I, I really like being at home. I love being around my family. That's um, great. I, I, so, I don't think my audience maybe understands that you have been 200 days a year on the road for like, for many years for yeah. many years like this, this has been your norm so this has been a complete 180 for you completely yeah it's it's been it's been very strange but i i you know i immediately looked for the opportunity to dig in and and get you know shift my perspective and, and get as much um enjoyment and put as much enjoyment into the into the situation as i could and yeah despite everything that happened um you know, it's it's been it's been nice. I've I've learned a lot that I didn't know before. You know, just just from being at home. You know. Sure, sure, absolutely. And it's funny because you wrote that song, um, "Burden of the Road," not too long ago, right? I know. Careful what you wish for, right? Be careful what you wish for. Exactly. That was a song about about being sick of being away from home, and then yeah, a year a year later, bang, bang. Yeah, absolutely. Do you miss the road, John? Are, are you itching to get back on stage? Yeah, man. I mean, I had to drive to the post office today and I, I, you know, I took the scenic route. I just, I delight in travel. <laughs> and so even, even going to the supermarket or, uh, or running any kind of errand, I'll take my time and look out the window, you know? Absolutely. I miss Absolutely. it. I, I just, I miss playing music to people. I miss the people who come to listen. Yeah. And I miss seeing my musical friends, you know, my, my brother and sister musicians. It, we're like we're like colleagues who all work in the same office, you know, and, and we haven't sure. seen each other for for a year. It's it's very strange. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't wait just to get back and watch gigs again, you know, to see people playing. Man, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. totally. I think we're turning the curve, so knock on wood. But that's what it's looking like. Uh, John, let me ask about your let me ask about your songwriting because uh, a song like um. I mean, all of them, the, the fray, the fray, you know, that you did with the milk carton kids. I mean, a lyric like up all night, down all day. I don't know where I'm headed, but it seems I know the way. I mean, we all end up there anyway. Goosebumps. Like the lyrics, the lyrics in this album, John Smith is like, I can't, I can't even process. Thank you. Are you, friend. absolutely, absolutely. Is the songwriting for you, like the discipline approach, like, you know, you tell your wife, honey, I am going to go to the office nine to five and just kind of like go through the motions, like, like really like, like working out at like at the gym or, or is it more like you go to the post office, you sing, discipline, like, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Occasionally. Yes. When I start writing a record, I, I get really, really stern with myself and I get up early and I go for a run and then I get to the desk, you know, I, I think about eating healthily and I, I work for four hours and I stop and, you know, have lunch, go work for another four hours, but it doesn't get me into it. Well, the the destination is no different to 
where I would be if I were leaving it to chance. Right. And I'm sure that there's work to be done there. I think if I if I wrote all day every day, you know, for a month, I would be a much better writer at the end of that month. But it doesn't sure. necessarily lead me to good songs. I just find that if a song wants to be written, it comes out. Interesting. And I don't have a lot of control over it, which is probably because I lack discipline as a writer, but also I just think that's the way the muse works, you know? There are some songs, um, you know, she's doing fine. I wrote that song in about three minutes after I just picked yep. up, I picked up a new guitar, I played that riff, and then the song wrote yeah. itself. Um, I think if, you know, it's like anything, you you can run a mile if you're if you're fit, right? If you've been if you've been training. So I try and play as much guitar as I can and I try and write, you know, right as frequently as I can just just so that I'm exercising. I think you're more likely to write songs if if you are um if you're like in shape. You feeling in shape, quote unquote in shape, yeah. That's great. But, but I don't um, I like that uh, yeah I like that balance John because like where we are we're in Nashville and like the songwriting thing here in Nashville is like the other extreme yeah. people will like to, it's like so academic they'll break down every syllable for a year and, and it's like almost too much so I, I, I hear you yeah I've been interested by that and I've worked with Nashville singer-songwriters and I just I always feel completely out of my depth man I, I, I like to take it slowly if a song wants to take six years then I'll, I'll give it six years yeah I got you. That's great. Yeah. That's great, John. John, you're such a thoughtful guy. I want to ask. I want, I want to ask you about this Spotify debate. That's you know. I, I think it's actually getting legs recently. I was talking about it with a friend the other day. Um, the fact that okay, like you know, your music is you know super popular on the streaming services. I believe that you you've had uh, almost 30 million streams of like of of your last album. Like you're very popular streaming wise. But now people are starting to pay attention this pandemic now that like people are not able to get on the road about the numbers yeah and people are saying okay so you are telling me that for every 1 million streams an artist is getting a maximum of $500 depending on like the streaming service you know and people are becoming conscious of of like the, the mathematics of it um where do you fall on this like do you have an opinion of of it uh well, do you like it is what it is or or what's your take the major labels have a monopoly on streaming shares and that's not because um that's not because spotify are refusing to pay out that's that's you know this is because the major labels control artist royalties and have and have got it sewn up in one pot as i understand it whereby right an artist who has not recouped who signed a deal on a major label makes nothing from streaming i never signed right. that kind of i never signed that kind of record deal i've always been independent because i saw very early on what major labels were doing to bands in Liverpool, you know, where I where I was coming up. Yeah. Right. Friends of mine got signed and then dropped by a big label within six months and they were two hundred grand in debt. And I've right. I'm just not interested in that. So I, I've always been independent. I work with thirty tigers in Nashville mm. who are, you know, label services and distribution. I own all my masters and so yeah. when I get a million streams I get to pay the bills for a few months, you know. So I right. think, I think so much of it is about how you're running, how you're running your career, how you're running your business. If you mm -hmm. can take control of it, and be independent and be um, forceful in your decision making, so that you don't lose out and you don't give your money to someone that you don't know, then 
to I, yeah. I think that's what you should be doing. But um, I've been, you know, I don't know how it applies to people starting out. And I've I've been self-employed for fifteen years, so I've, I've got a little more perspective than I did ten years ago. But I would I would encourage anyone to just hold on to their masters, even if it means you're going to be poor for a while. You know, I I didn't make yeah. any money for the first for the first five, 10 years that I was a self-employed musician, you know, right. It takes time. It's like an investment in yourself, like trusting yourself. Like, yeah, absolutely. Totally. The whole thing is, is about getting yourself out of bed and, and either getting to a, the next gig or, you know, hoping that you're going to make enough money to pay the bills. But I, you know, for me, streaming has worked out pretty well, but that's, that's just because I, um, I, that's I was, because your stuff is quality, man. Because once oh. once you click on one of your songs, you end up it's like a rabbit hole for like twenty or thirty minutes. That's oh, what happens. With you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of luck to you know to to get to a certain point on the streaming services. I don't really, I can't claim to understand how it all works, but um, right. yeah, I would avoid major labels if you want to if you want to earn any money. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, listen, John, you've been so generous with your time. It's Friday night in Wales. I'm sure you you want to be with your missus and the whole thing. <laughs> but but listen, I, I just want to congratulate you because the fray, listen, we love all your stuff. I mean, headlong. I mean, far too good. Love it, of course, and save my life. We love all that stuff, John. But the fray, man, I, I, this, I think you are like in another level. Humbly, I think it's your best album. Can't wait for people to hear it. March 26th. Oh, just congratulations, man. Thanks so much. And can I just also thank you for playing me in Nashville? That is, it blows my mind, man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, once, once, once we're able to get on planes and, and you bring your guitar here stateside, like, please come to this, come to the South. I'm there, sure. man. Big time. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. Take care. Thank you for your time. All right. Cheers, mate. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.